From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for July 4th. It's a Wednesday. It's in the afternoon, and we are joined by the amazingly wonderful former host of the Quinnipiac. <laughs> I can't even keep a straight face doing this. Former co-host of the Quinnipiac Radio Network, uh, Morrow Motors post-game show, the show not named after his family, the great... Luke Morrow, voice of the of, of the Daytona Tortugas and Stenson men's uh, basketball and football. Welcome back to your second home on Teeing It Up. Yes, it's good to be back. Now we just have to get the uh, portion of this show named after somebody with my last name that's not related to me. <laughs> well, I mean, technically, it should be the Sunday Sprint, which we which we rename. All right, that'll have to do. Uh, how's life? Uh, everything's good. Uh, happy July 4th. I forgot it was July 4th until you reminded me, and uh, things are well. The Tortugas are heading to the postseason. We're in the, the middle of the, the year, so uh, everything's good down here. How did you forget it was July 4th? You're the broadcaster. You have to give the date at the start of every broadcast. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, working in baseball, it's like Groundhog Day every day. You, you uh, forget which day of the week it is. They all feel the same. They all blend together. You forget what month it is until you look at a calendar. And, you know, you got to write the day of the week in your scorebook just so you can remind yourself. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what Vince Scully used to do. He used to always say the date and even the time to kind of time stamp big moments of his broadcast. I guess I'll have to start doing that more often so that I can remind myself uh, what day of the year it is. Now, you told me in one of our many off-air conversations, because unlike some radio hosts, we actually talk to each other off-air. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I found that funny, but now I'm laughing. Um, <laughs> uh, that that you won the first half of the season. Is that, did, did I hear that correctly? Yes. Uh, so, so hold on a second. Just stop right there before you launch into this. Was there champagne? Oh, yes. Plenty of it. <laughs> Really? For for one half of the season, there was actually a champagne party, and, and, and you went to some club until like four in the morning. Is that what you're saying? Well, I was not at any club, but <laughs> there was a champagne party in the clubhouse after the, the victory. It's the same sort of celebration that you would see after any sort of uh, clinch for a team, and um, it was... You know, the celebration of a, a half season of hard work for those guys able to clinch the first playoff spot or, or really win the first North Division in Tortuga history. Uh, did you um, did you uh, partake in the champagne? Uh, I was there. I did not partake in any sort of champagne spraying. I got a little bit sprayed on me, but uh, more there to capture footage and to kind of cover the event as a media member as opposed to party during the event. But I thought that the guys would have had to douse you because you're a part of the team. Yes, fortunately that did not happen. Um, I had my goggles on just in case. I don't want to take any champagne to the face. But uh, they were well behaved and uh, we were able to get some, some good footage and capture the moment professionally in a, in a nice manner. Uh, was that the first time you wore goggles since you were like seven years old? <laughs> yes, first time I wore goggles not around a swimming pool and the next day we uh, went on a road trip and our bench coach was still wearing his goggles on the bus to celebrate the, the victorious uh, night before. You sure that he was not just hung over and was trying to cover his eyes? <laughs> 
Well, you know, uh, uh, we'll go with the uh, celebratory goggle-wearing route instead. All right, so in all seriousness now, why did you win the championship? What have you done right, or what did you do right in the first half of the year that you had not done in previous years? Besides score more runs than your opponents, because obviously that happened too. Yeah, it was a, a very talented bunch. Some, some, some of the guys moved up to double-A, but uh, still a good squad in Daytona. And uh, we were fortunate with the opening day roster we had that it, it featured a handful of top 30 prospects in the Cincinnati Red System. Uh, I think we had... Uh, three of the top nine prospects. So, uh, first and foremost, it was just an excellent lineup. You know, we just uh, tore the, the cover off the ball. Uh, the team got off to such a ridiculous start in April. Um, as a team, in terms of scoring runs and batting average, we were leading the league in all sorts of categories. So, it's funny, uh, we won the division with the most error at the time, the third most errors in the league, and the third highest ERA. And they always say pitching you know, win ball games or win championships, but we did it just by outslugging teams in the first half, including a game in April where we set a record for the 100-year history of the league by combining with the, the Jupiter Hammerheads to hit 11 home runs uh, in a game, the first time that had ever happened. So uh, just a very talented lineup, uh, enough talent in the pitching rotation and bullpen as well to get the job done, but uh, those guys just lit up the scoreboard in the first half. One of the other things we talked about off-air is this really weird dynamic which you have, which is, it's great, you just won the title, now you lose players because they should be higher. So now you've got a, a, a kind of different-ish lineup for the second half of the year. How has that gone so far? So far, so good. It uh, took a bit of an adjustment period at first, and uh, one of the guys, T.J. Friedel, went up to double-A, uh, an outfielder for us and a top-20 prospect to the Cincinnati Reds, who is having an excellent year, and... Um, what our manager said he was missing the most after that specific promotion wasn't so much the production he had to the lineup, but just the energy. And uh, it takes a little bit of time for the team to gel once again with new guys and to figure out their roles and such. But we've been fortunate that we just got two uh, additions in the past week to the top of our order. And there are a couple of real spark plugs that add a lot of energy to the lineup. They get on base. They like to run. Um, they're quick middle infielders. So... Uh, that has helped re-energize the lineup. The top three in the order is now very strong to set the table for the middle part of the batting order. So it's unique. As a broadcaster, it makes it fun. You have to learn a new group of guys that keep things fresh. Um, you find new, interesting backstories. You get to teach the, the audience about these new players. So uh, it keeps it interesting. And uh, you just hope that those who come up can, at least to a certain extent, fill the shoes that were left behind by the other players who were promoted, because, of course, that's the goal at the end of the day. You want to send as many guys up as you can, even if it, if it hurts the team, uh, at least for a period of time. Talking to our great friend and colleague Luke Morrow on Teeing Up. It's been a while since he's been on the show. It's good to get him back. Um, on this radio program, this institution that is teeing up with Jeremy Schoen, copyrighted and trademarked. Make sure you note that when you retransmit the rights of this broadcast. Uh, 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 do you have to say that, by the way, at any point, that this is a copyright of the blank, 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 and all rights and all, all you know, words and videos and accounts of this game, you know, and, and, and that whole spiel? I don't know if we're supposed to. I can tell you I don't. But <laughs> now that you bring it up, I do. I always like hearing that in the broadcast, so I may start adding it. Okay. That just, may just be something to think about. Have you had any guys come through, any uh, major leaguers, any names come through on rehab stints? 
we have faced a lot. Uh, I stopped keeping track through the first about month or two. I would say we probably had more rehabbers in this league this year than uh, any other season during my time. I know Chris Archer is down here right now. Uh, Miguel Sano is here in the league. In terms of us specifically, uh, Dilson Herrera was kind of on a rehab assignment. The former New York Mets right. um, started the year with us. He spent the first month of the season with us just trying to get healthy from off-season surgery. It wasn't technically a rehab assignment, but he's a guy that uh, was a, was, had big league experience coming back from an injury. And so it was an extended stay. He spent April with us. By the end of April, he uh, certainly looked like a guy that did not belong in the league. <laughs> uh, he got, got hot again and uh, went back up uh, all the way to AAA. Um. All right, so let's, let's let's move on from that part of your life, and let's move on to the other parts of your life, which is as a sports fan. Um, where are you right now with these Vikings? Are you confident? Are you not wanting to think about them? Are you already worried? Uh, are you missing Teddy Bridgewater? <laughs> where is your head at as a Vikings fan? Kind of all of that, excluding the Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I love uh, I love Teddy as. Uh, a person. He seemed to be a great guy. He heard nothing but good things about him. Even before the injury, didn't think he was uh, the most talented quarterback. And now, even certainly after the injury, we'll see what he's uh, uh, able to, to do moving forward. But thrilled that in his place and the place of Case Keenum and even Sam Bradford, that Kirk Cousins is now running the team. So, uh, a little bit of all that stuff. You know, as a Vikings fan, you're always waiting for the other shoe to fall. And, and boy, did it ever in the NFC title game last year, but um, you're optimistic because of last season. You look back at last year, the things that they pulled off, and in the offseason, you had Kirk Cousins, you had a new offensive coordinator that everybody seems to love, and you had uh, Dalvin Cook, who was injured in the third game of the season, and looked like he was on his way to potentially be the rookie of the year. But then on the flip side, you think back to last season, and certainly as a Vikings fan, let alone a fan of any other team, you wonder if they can repeat that success if they'll have a drop-off like they did in 2010 after making it to the title game in 2009, and uh, if the defense can hold up, if Kirk Cousins can fit in, so on and so forth. So certainly excited for the start of the season. I have high expectations. I think they should be right back where they were last year. Uh, I think it's a more talented team, but at the same time, as always, when you root for a team like the Vikings, I just kind of, in the back of my mind, I also expect for it to kind of blow up and for the team to just go like 7-9 this year and be a big disappointment. Uh, I could certainly see that happening as well. As somebody who is an expert on all things Minnesota, um, what's been the afterglow of the Super Bowl? Was it well-received? Was it too cold? Did people enjoy themselves? Did people not enjoy themselves? Is U.S. Bank Stadium now the best stadium in all sports? What's been the afterglow? Yeah, from what I've heard, it seems like it went over very well despite the, the weather. Um uh, I'm sure some people really did not like that, um, but the events that they put on, you know, the, the, the Vikings themselves have an excellent group up there um, to handle that type of stuff. And I'm working with the NFL, you know, the NFL is always going to put on a great show. So from what I've heard from just listening to different media members talk about it afterwards during that week and the stuff throughout the country, and uh, even I had some friends who were up there, um, most just about everything I've heard has been positive. I doubt the Vikings will ever get it again, you know, just because of the new stadium, but um, it, it seemed to be a, a good time. It's too bad the Vikings weren't there, but also on top of it all, it helps when you have the Mall of America. That's where, you know, Radio Row was and everything. And some people were unhappy with the traveling distance between Mall of America and the stadium because that's 
kind of far away, but uh, that's a nice venue to be able to have for a team that's hosting a Super Bowl. So um, from what I heard, it was positive, and now they head back to a, a lot of warm sites for the next few years. That they do. Uh, what's your feeling on the Red Sox right now? It looks like this Yankee Red Sox race is going to go on for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I, I love the, the team that they have. Um, I think they have all the pieces to be able to, to pull it off and win a World Series this year. It's just uh, the huge thing, obviously, is whoever's going to win the division. Uh, I've never been a fan of the, the one-game wild card, and now everybody's going to see how ridiculous it is this year when a team could potentially win, say, you know, 98 games and have to have their season come down to a, a single game where anything can happen. Um, so whichever team wins the division will have, have a huge advantage, of course, between those two, and, and they'll make this race even more fun as they play each other late in the year, I believe, at Yankee Stadium the final week of the season. So that could be a huge series. But it looks like it's going to be neck and neck all season. They're two of the, the best teams in all of baseball, I guess, with the Houston Astros, uh, I would say those three are, are the three best teams in the league. And it should make for a, a fun summer because I think both the Red Sox and the Yankees have enough talent to get it done. Uh, I like Boston's chances. We'll just be able to pull it up. That we shall, and it'll be... Uh, look, I mean, this Yankee team needs pitching. That's clear. You know, Sonny Gray's not good enough. Um... Montgomery's out for the year. You know they they need some more arms, and that's going to be the other element to this too. Is which one of the Yankee and Red Sox goes first, and and then what's the reaction from the other GM? So we'll see how this progresses um, as time goes on. Um, Bron LeBron goes to Los Angeles, uh, which would be good news for your Magic if the Magic were not at the bottom of the league. But I believe the Magic are still at the bottom of the league. So. Sorry, I just had to say that. Um, I don't know why I'm laughing. Well, it is fair. Um, So where's your head at about uh, LeBron and the NBA and free agency in the draft? Yeah, I think the whole Eastern Conference would have to move to the West for the Magic to then become a favorite. Um, But uh, in terms of LeBron going to L.A., that's something I've been saying for over a year. I figured it was going to be L.A., all along the writing kind of seemed on the wall and uh, I don't blame on the Lakers if they don't make another move or, or if they didn't make any of these moves they've already have in the offseason other than adding LeBron they already had a more talented roster than Cleveland it's just a shame for the NBA that now literally all the talent other than the Celtics uh, is, is in the West the Sixers could be interesting but I think they're still kind of imposters as we saw during the postseason the Raptors even though they don't have to worry about LeBron anymore I don't think they're going to be able to do anything in the East here on July 4th, we can already kind of pencil the Celtics into the championship, and that is a terrible news for the, for the NBA, for Adam Silver. They're kind of putting a bad product out there now. And uh, as mentioned, all the talents in the West, so it'll be fun to see the Lakers battle, uh, battle against the Warriors and have the Rockets in there, maybe the Spurs, depending on what happens with Kawhi. Uh, San Antonio always seems to be there. But at the end of the day, we know the Celtics will be in the championship. And I think it's safe to say that it will be two of the three. Actually, it will be the Warriors in the conference finals. And then either the Lakers or the Rockets, I would guess. And uh, I think that's uh, pretty predictable, which renders the regular season almost irrelevant and uh, just uh, adds the intrigue to the playoffs. So there's really nothing the NBA can do. You're never going to adjust the salary cap because the players aren't going to agree to that with the ridiculous contracts they're getting. And so until then, this stuff's going to happen. You have... Um, Cousins go to the Warriors, which is absurd as well. And it's a real top-heavy league that 
Um, his only interesting for a couple of weeks out of the year, unfortunately. But it'll be fun still to watch LeBron play in L.A. I still enjoy watching the NBA, even though the outcome is somewhat predetermined in the team um, because of uh, where the talent is based. But uh, it'll be fun to watch LeBron in L.A., and now he can lose in the conference finals as opposed to the championships in the long term. That will probably help his legacy because people will just mention the, the final record, which will now feature a few less losses than if he kept going to the championship of the Cavs and losing more. I'm not even sure the Lakers right now are good enough to get to the conference finals. I think this is going to take a year or two. I think they're going to need to make another move, but it won't be this year. It'll be next year. LeBron seems to be patient. And honestly, Luke, I think this is good. He'll get out of the playoffs faster, and he'll be able to rest more, and he'll be a better LeBron in 2019-2020. Yeah, exactly. You know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how many years he has left at this pace, uh, because he still, of course, is uh, certainly one of the best, if not the best players in the league even at this age so with how much he plays how hard he plays all the extra playoff games that just add extra seasons to that body i'm curious to see how much longer he can keep it up at this rate before he starts to slip for kobe it happened pretty quickly uh we saw a couple years back now of course that involved an injury um so hopefully lebron can stay healthy but i'm intrigued to see how, how long he can stay at this rate he, he may only have a few years left where he can carry a team up against the Warriors like he's been doing these last few years, may need a little more help as he moves on. But the Lakers have a lot of young talent. We'll see how much of that team they can keep together now moving forward. Um, but uh, it'll be fun to watch LeBron out playing in the Staples Center in L.A. and go up against the Warriors. But it's just a shame that this is the way the NBA has, has gone the last few years. Would you like to talk any golf? Uh, I would. I, you know what? I typically love to talk golf. I spend most of my days talking golf, uh, but this time I think I'm going to have to take a pass. You, you, this is what you really do at the ballpark? You just talk golf all day? You sit around talking golf all afternoon. I love it. What what kind of golf? Mini golf? <laughs> Foot golf? Exactly. Yeah. Hey, I love miniature golf. We got like five miniature golf courses within probably two miles of my apartment. I love it. That's that. That's good. Is there anything else you would like to say on this wonderful program known as Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schelling? Well, it's just nice to make my return, and, and hopefully everybody out there, including yourself, has a great uh, July 4th. Hopefully the Tortugas get a win tonight, and we keep uh, keep the ball rolling. And uh, Yeah, where are you going? Uh, we, uh, I'm currently uh, on my way to Palm Beach to take on the Palm Beach Cardinals, which, as you guess, is the affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals. I would have never guessed. <laughs> I know, it's hard to figure it out, uh, but they, uh, they're having a good year as well, so it's just a quick, uh, quick two-game series for, for the holiday, but it should be a good couple of games. And is everything free tonight because of the holiday? What's that? Is everything free tonight because of the holiday? Well, for the fans? Yes. Uh, I'm making I'm up. Sure. I know uh, the Dunedin Blue Jays do free admission on July 4th. Um, I don't know what Palm Beach is going on. We celebrated the holiday last night with a home game. Um, almost a sold-out crowd, great fireworks show. So it was a lot of fun, and I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun tonight in Palm Beach. These are always the biggest days in the baseball world. How have your 10 a.m. camp games been so far? I believe we are all done with them now. We oh. Had, I, I want to say five. Um, another one was postponed, so we uh, fell one short, but... Um, yeah, those are always tough. A team in the league plays 11 a.m. games on Sundays. We just had uh, two of those. 
uh, the last two weeks. So those aren't very fun either after a 7 o'clock game the night before. But it's nice when you get out of there and you get home early for once. But the Education Day games with all the kids, it's, it's always a great crowd. The kids are into it. They go crazy whenever you play the SpongeBob theme song still to this day. And, um, <laughs> while it's uh, rough getting into the office at, at 6 a.m. after you know a night game the, the night prior, it is nice to get out of there at about 2 or 3 in the afternoon with the, the game already done with. And just to see the kids having fun at the ballpark like that, that's a, that's a, nice, a nice day. Spoken like a true professional, Mr. Luke Morrow. Thank you, sir, for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. It's my pleasure, as always. It was great to return. And thank you all for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. We will see you next time.